going to continue our series on understanding the Trinity of God. Last week we talked about the Father's role. Today we're going to be talking about the Son's role. Now, oftentimes when people think about God the Son, they think about Jesus of Nazareth. And that's accurate because Jesus is the Son of God, and so he is the embodiment of the Son part of the Trinity of God. But one of the problems that can sometimes come with that line of thinking is that we can sometimes limit the role of God the Son to just the life and death of Jesus, and sometimes forget that the role of the Son extends before Jesus was born in a stable and after he died on the cross. And so it's not just the life and death of Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the Son. He is that, uh, that role of God, of God. But it's more than just the time he spent on earth. His role extends beyond that. So with that in mind, let's jump into Scripture and look at the first passage of Scripture that shows us kind of what the role of the Son is. We're going to begin reading in the book of John, chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. And if you hop down to verse 14 of that chapter, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So in these verses, we're seeing the first role of the Son, which is to be the incarnation of God. And what incarnation means is that it is in physical form. So the Son, when he became Jesus of Nazareth here on earth, he became the physical representation of of God. And for the first time in all of history, and the only time in all of history, God had a physical form here on the earth. And that was who Jesus was. Now, it's really interesting to note that Jesus, as the Son, had a physical form. Because we don't see anywhere in Scripture of either the Father or the Holy Spirit, the other two parts of the Trinity of God, we don't see either of those two roles manifesting in a physical form. Only the Son has that physical form. And it's also worth noting that after Jesus died on the cross, and he was buried, and he rose again three days later, that that physical body he had was a new body, and that that body then ascended into heaven. And so that physical form that the Son has is still dwelling in heaven right now. So it's the Son that has the physical form. And there's an, a few other things from this passage that is noteworthy. First of all, this chapter of John 1 
begins with the phrase, in the beginning was the word. And in the beginning obviously mirrors what we read last week in Genesis chapter 1, which was, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And here John is saying, in the beginning was the word, and he's using word to refer to the Son. It says the word was with God, and the word was God. And so we see the correlation there. And then he goes on to talk about some of the things that the Son has done, or the Word has done. And uh, to get kind of nerdy for a second, when it uses that word, Word, uh, in the original Greek translation, or the Greek that it was written in, the Greek word that's used is Logos. And Logos is a word that can be translated different ways. Essentially, it has two different meanings. It has the meaning of a concept, and it also has a meaning of, uh, like, speech, like a spoken word. So a concept and a spoken word. And so sometimes people will translate the word logos as thought, because a thought is something that you can have in your mind, but it's also something that can be given a physical form. And so this word logos uh, that we translate as word with a capital W is a perfect representation of Jesus as the son because he is a part of God, or not just a part of God, he is God. He is that role of the Trinity of God. And so he matches that concept of who God is. And Jesus, the Son, represents that concept of God. And then as well as that, he is then given a physical form that is something that can be observed. And that's more of that spoken word aspect where, okay, now you've taken that concept that's in your mind and have spoken it out so that other people can then share in that concept. And that's basically what Jesus does. And when we read through the rest of this passage, we can see things that are showing that really every perceivable connection that we have with God comes through the Son. So everything we perceive, the things we see, smell, hear, that testifies to who God is, that is all given to us through the role of the Son. You'll notice that in verse 3 of this chapter, it says that through him, talking about the Word, Jesus, the Son, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. So all of creation was actually made through the Son, not the Father. Now you can say, well, hold on a second, Zach. Last week you talked about the Father and talked about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and talked about how the Father was the foundation for all creation. So how is the Father the foundation, but the Son created it all? Well, it works the same way. Uh, the Son, because remember, the Father and the Son are both God. It's just the different roles that they operate in. So when creation was made, it was made with the foundation of the Father and made through the work of the Son. So it's based upon the Father and was formed by the Son. That's what this verse says. 
Through him, the Son, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. And then in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, which was when Jesus was walking through the earth. So we're seeing that all the things that we conceive, all the perceivable connections we have with God really come through the Son. All of creation, all of nature was formed by the Son and testifies to the greatness of God. The life example that Jesus had during his time on earth where he lived without sin and especially the three years of his ministry that is a real, physical, tangible example of God that we can experience through Scripture. That is also the work of the Son. And speaking of Scripture, which is often called the Word of God, and here in John chapter 1, Jesus, the Son, is being referred to as the Word, capital W, so the Word of God. So we're seeing that the, the phrase we use to describe the Son is the same phrase we use to describe the Bible as well, which is a physical Theme that we can hold in our hands and read to build our relationship with God. So all these things that we can perceive about God, all of the ways that we here on earth are able to connect with God is through the role of the Son as giving physical form to God, physical form that is seen throughout all of creation, all of nature, physical form through the example he set for us, and physical form in the Word of God, the Bible, which is where we discover all there is to know about God. All of those things come from the Son. And I would even say, and I haven't 100% verified this yet, I'm still uh, thinking through this, but I also believe that whenever an audible voice is spoken in Scripture, that that is the work of the Son as well, because in order to hear an audible voice, you have sound waves that resonate with your physical eardrum that are then sending signals to your physical brain to recognize that you heard something. So again, you have all of this work in the physical realm that comes from hearing an audible voice of God. And so that's why I believe that even any time that God has spoken, that that is the role of the Son. Because the Father does not have that physical form. He doesn't need a physical form. He exists in heaven. He exists beyond heaven, beyond earth. God has no need for a physical form, at least not in the role of the Father. But he uses the physical form through the role of the Son to make a connection between us and him. The Father is so great that we can't begin to comprehend all there is to understand about him. Really, anything about God, we only get such small glimpses because it's too much for us with our human brains to understand. But one of the things that the Father, or that the Son does in his role as the incarnation of God is to allow us to experience the Father. We experience the Father through the Son. And that's the first role that the Son fulfills as the incarnation of God. Now let's move on to another passage of Scripture to see what else it is that God the Son does um, for us and in our world. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2. 
It's verses 24 and 25. It says, He himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So this is, of of course, referring to Jesus' death on the cross that paid the price of our sin. And I've talked in many of my sermons about how sin, the price of that sin is separation from God, which is spiritual death. That's the price of our sin. But Jesus paid that price on the cross so that we would not have to uh, pay the price of that sin, but rather we could accept that gift that Jesus has given to us, accept him as our Savior and our Lord so we would not have to pay that price. And this is, again, another role that the Son fulfills is to be the flawless Redeemer to all of humanity. You see, the Father has his justice, which I talked about last week. And that justice is necessary to preserve God as holy. God can have no part with sin. It goes against his very nature. And so if there is sin in our life, it can prevent us from connecting with God. And I really like how in this passage of Scripture... Not only does it talk about how Jesus died on the cross to to pay the price of our sins, but then it finishes by saying, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So not only is it just paying the price of our sin, but by doing so, it is allowing us to connect with God. Because our sin is paid for, we can connect with God. But if you have that sin in your life, it separates you from God. It's like putting a gate in the middle of the road and locking that gate. And let's assume you can't, you know, climb the gate or anything like that or go under it or, you know, all all those things. Let's, Let's just say, for whatever reason, this gate you are not able to get through unless it's unlocked and opened up. And that's essentially what sin does in our life is it becomes that gate that separates us from being able to connect with God. And what Jesus did when he died for the cross is not only did he uh, make the way so that all people could be saved um, from the eternal death of hell, which is separation, complete separation from God, but paid the price for our sins by giving himself willingly, despite having no sin in his life, and giving himself as the perfect, blameless, flawless sacrifice so that he could redeem us. When he did that, he opened up that gate. He unlocked it and opened it up so that we could then connect with God. But of course, then it's our choice on whether or not we're going to walk through that gate. Or if we're going to allow sin to continue to be in our life, and keep that gate closed, despite it being unlocked and opened up for us. And this connecting with God isn't something that just happens after 
we die. But it's something that we can do in our world today. Remember, God is not limited um, by the rules of space and time as we are. God created the rules of space and time. They don't apply to him. That's why God is called omnipresent, meaning everywhere at once, including right where you are now. You don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven to connect with God. In fact, uh, in Matthew chapter 27, when Jesus died on the cross and he says, it is finished, there was this great earthquake that happened. And in the temple of God, there was a curtain that separated the holiest of holy places where the Spirit of God dwelled. It separated it from everything else. And at that moment when Jesus died, that temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And it was a thick curtain, too. If I remember correctly, it was it was a couple feet or like several feet thick. Um, and yet in that earthquake, it split from top to bottom as a symbol that God's spirit would no longer be contained to just the temple of God itself and in that small area that only the priests could go into, but rather that God's spirit was then allowed to flood over all of the earth because that price of sin had been paid for. And so each of us where we are now are able to connect with God and be reconciled with the Father through the sacrifice that the Son made for us. The Son fulfilled his role as the flawless Redeemer of our life. So because of the Son's role as the incarnation of God, we're able to experience the Father through the Son. And because of the Son's role as the flawless Redeemer, we can be reconciled with the Father through the Son. And now let's move on to the last role of the Son that I want to talk about today. This is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, and it begins at verse 14. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the third role of the Son that Jesus fulfills, which is the role of serving as our high priest. Now, because Jesus serves as our high priest, we don't really have high priests in our culture anymore, and so many of you might not understand the role that the high priest played, but the high priest, it was his responsibility to represent other people before God. And the high priest then served as the go-between between, between uh, the Israelite people in particular and the Spirit of God that indwelled in the holiest of holy places in the temple of God. 
the high priest was the only one allowed to enter into that room, and he did so as a representative of the Israelite people. And that's what Jesus does with us. That is the role of the Son, that he is now our high priest that represents us before God the Father. Now, you hear that and you might be thinking, well, how does that work? Because the Father and the Son are both God. So how is it that the Son is representing us to essentially himself? If, it's, if God is the Father and God is the Son, and they're the same entity just doing two different roles, then how or why is it necessary for the Son to represent us to the Father? It's just God representing us to himself. And yes, that's exactly how it works, but let me talk a little bit about why that is necessary and important and, and really just helpful for us. Remember, the Father is really where we get the eternal aspect of God because he is unchanging. The whole foundation of the universe was founded upon the essence of the Father, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the justice of God is the same way. God doesn't change his justice depending on different situations. It has always remained the same. And the justice of God is so complex, and God himself is so complex. And like I was saying earlier, we can't even begin to fathom the complexities and mysteries of all that God encompasses. And this is why the role of the Son as our high priest is so important. Because he serves as that in-between from us to our Heavenly Father, who is far beyond anything we could comprehend. And Jesus knows exactly what is required by the Father. The Father, when sin entered our lives, it separated us from the Father. And so the Father did, uh, required that blood sacrifice be made in order for us to be reconciled with him again, to pay the price of that sin. And that's where the Son came in, the Son gave himself as that blood sacrifice to pay that price of our sin so that we could then be reconciled with the Father, like I was just talking about. And not only uh, does the Son just help us in that area of, you know, our overarching sin problem, but everything that goes on in our life, we are able to bring through the Son to the Father and the Son is able to present it before the Father in the way that is best worded and best presented in order to meet the requirements of the Father's justice and complexities. So when I think about this dynamic, about the Son helping us be represented correctly before the Father, I th <laughs> for some reason I think of that scene 
from the Incredibles movie. I mean, you guys know from my Seven Deadly Disney Villains series that I love Disney movies. I love Pixar movies. I grew up on them. I love them. And so I think of this scene from The Incredibles right after, you know, it's shown that superheroes became illegal and they're outlawed. And you get the former Mr. Incredible, who is now uh, Bob Parr, I believe his name, Bob Parr. Sounds right. Serving in an insurance agency. And he's sitting at the desk, and on the other side of this desk is this old woman who is just in tears because something has happened to her, and she thought the insurance company would cover it, and her claim is being denied. And the whole time, Mr. Incredible's there, just torn apart by her story and how she's, you know, on a stable income... Uh, a set income she's not going to be able to afford this and it's really tearing him up inside and he wants to help her and and the dialogue kind of goes like well i want to help you but i can't i'd like to tell you to go see norma wilcox on the second floor and to fill out this particular form and turn it into our legal department but i can't and and that's kind of i know that's kind of a silly example but that's kind of how i picture the dynamic between uh, the father and son working is that the father sets all of these regulations that have to be followed, and it's necessary for him to do that so that the entire universe has structure and order, and it's not just chaotic and falling apart and caving in on itself. So the complex order that is required for that is set into place by the father. But because of his great love for us, he wants to make sure that we are able to navigate it correctly. And so he gives us the son to help show us the way to navigate through all of that to meet what is required by the Father. And who else would know it better than God himself? And so in that way, that's the dynamic between the Father and the Son, where the Father sets it in place, And then the Son paves a path for us to be able to be reconciled to the Father once again. And in that way, he serves as our high priest. And like I said, this doesn't just apply to um, Jesus' death on the cross that paid the price of our sin. It also applies with every request we bring before God. When you hear Christians pray, you will almost always hear them end their prayers with a phrase, In Jesus' name, Amen. And there's a reason for that. There's a purpose behind it. Because what the Christian is doing when he uses that phrase is saying that I am coming before God, and I am not doing so in my own name. I am not doing so in my own power. I am recognizing that it is only through the work of the Son that I am able to stand and bring my request before the Father. So that's one part, that you're recognizing that the Son has opened that gate so that you could then be reconciled to the Father and bring your prayer before Him. And then the second part is you are allowing Jesus to be our high priest 
and you are making your request not directly to the Father, but making it through the Son so that the Son can then present that request before the Father in the best way possible. And that's what it means when we say we are praying in Jesus' name. And this is the role that the Son is most fulfilling actively this very day, is serving as our high priest and representing us to the Father. We're represented to the Father through the Son. Now, all of these things is summed up so nicely in something that Jesus says in John chapter 14. It's in verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are the roles of the Son, the way, the truth, and the life. As the incarnation of God, Jesus becomes truth incarnate, the truth of God in physical form. And then as our Redeemer, he gives us a new life, that a new spiritual life that doesn't begin once we die and go to heaven. It begins the very moment that we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he paves the way for us as our high priest, setting the path for us to walk down so that we can be represented before God in the best light possible. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him, except through His sacrifice, through His authority. This is the role of the Son, to bridge the gap between fallen humanity and the perfect God. And all it takes for the Son to be able to do His role in your life is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, accept that gift of eternal life, and let Him be your High Priest. That's all it takes is the acceptance of that. And what a wonderful thing that is to be given. And I pray that each and every one of you out there who is listening have done that, and if you haven't done that yet, now is the time. Let God be your Lord and Savior through the work of the Son that reconciles you to the Father. So this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions about anything I've talked about, feel free to get in contact with me, either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or by emailing me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people and on social media sites to help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you again for listening, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.